We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, you know, and, and sometimes, it, like I said, it, you know, you have to look at, we started off the season playing great defense, and then sometimes it's what you're walking into. If you're walking into high-scoring teams, your goal is to, you know, obviously to play great defense, but to hold, hold them below their average. And that's what what I measure. So, and you're, you don't have it, you can have a stretch, you could take a snippet out of a season and you can make it say whatever you would like it to say. The, the challenge is to do it consistently from the start to the end and keep focused on improving. And so that's where we are. So this is a good stretch, but there's still, there's a lot of things that sometimes it's a missed shot that's, you know, wide open too. So there's there's a variance to the shot making, but I think I, the spirit of the team is really strong right now. And the togetherness and the commitment to each other is very strong. And then we got to keep it there. Hi, Sue. Dante DiVincenzo along with Brunson, two of the best contracts. Um, is... is- Steve Vincenzo, one of the best contracts in the league. I mean, it's not the con- it's not a contract to the level of like. Here's the thing: Are there any value contracts in the league anymore? Right? Like Macal Bridges. I was just like Macal Bridges makes like nineteen million dollars a year or whatever it is, twenty million. That's almost seen as a detriment because you're not going to be able to extend him on the using the extension rules because he's going to want a max and he's earned probably a max and he's a he's a threat to leave. So like. There's hardly anything, any such thing as a value contract anymore. That said, exceptional signing at the full mid level. Like I, I value contract, he has more than earned his money, and you would not have any problem moving him for as like a good contract. If you ever have to move it, it's gonna be easy to move it. That dude could play twenty minutes a night on any team in the league. It's the best compliment you give him. And Brunson, that speaks for itself. I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to play at Brunson's contract. Thanks, Hush. Joseph Brennan uh, with another one. Thank you again, Joseph. Also, I'm 41. This has to be the most shooting talent on a Knicks team in my lifetime. Brunson, OG, Grimes, DiVincenzo, all elite, unbelievably refreshing. Um, <clears throat> so. Do a quick stats check-in. Let's actually do a quick advanced stats check-in because we always do this. So uh, net rating, the Knicks are up to eighth at plus 4.2. A hair behind... 
Fucking hey, hair behind the Pelicans. It's incredible to me that the Pelicans have that net rating and have seemingly had so many devastating losses this year. Um, but they have the same record as us, essentially the same net rating. Um, ninth in offense. I'm actually shocked that the Knicks are still that low in offense. They're just ahead of the Mavs. Mavs are tenth. Um, but there's like a group of five teams like the, the Knicks could if they have the, another good week on offense they could be sixth in offense easily defense is the key they're up to 14th and they were down in the low teens for a while so the Knicks are up to 14th essentially tied with the heat in 13th and a stone's throw away honestly from like eighth ninth range so they're 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 moving on up um anyway the reason I wanted to do a stats, stats check is to look at their three-point percentage. So as of right now, the Knicks, in terms of um, three-point percentage, are eighth in the league at 37.8%. I don't think I need to look this up. I believe the last time they were this high in terms of three-point accuracy was during the 2012-13 season, which I have just looked up. During the 2012-13 season, they were fifth. In three-point accuracy. So I think, I don't know about your lifetime, because you were alive a decade ago. Did that 2012-13 team have more shooting talent than the Knicks, this Knicks team? I would say no, because shooting itself has grown by leaps and bounds. So honestly, the team with like the... Uh, you know, 20th best shooting talent in the league this year would have been probably like in the conversation for top five, like a decade ago. That's how much better the shooting has got in the league. So how about instead of shooting talent, we talk about relative shooting talent and in terms of relative shooting talent, going back to that 2012, 13 team, you had Carmelo who was dynamite from three that year. Shot 38%. J.R. Smith, I mean, the degree of difficulty, like he was elite. Um, kid was good. Novak was your your guy. I mean, Novak is like one of the greatest shooters in the history of the Knicks. Um, just automatic. And then like, yeah, like I, I forgot. Shump hit 40% from deep that year. Limited volume, very limited volume, even for them. It was under three threes a game. You know, you had Prigioni, you had Copeland. The thing is, you had that team was special because you had like any, basically any lineup they put on the floor would have four shooters on it, which was revolutionary for that time. Like it was, it was literally revolutionary. Nobody had done that. That's why the mellow with the four thing was so big, but even at all the other spots, like your weakest shooter in this, in the, in terms of um, your regulars was, I mean, was a kid? I guess it was kid at like 35%, right? Yeah. Um, unless you want to throw Wallace in there who who you know played early on. Yeah, so I don't I don't know. Um and then if you want to throw Sodomire who played 29 games, obviously, and and I guess Ronnie Brewer. So they had like some weak spots, but this team, in terms of okay, when they put on the floor, you mentioned Brunson DiVincenzo, Ananobi, um, I mean, those guys really are all elite in certain aspects of shooting. And then you go to Grimes, pretty pretty close to elite. Um, but then after that, it's like, who's the next best shooter after that from three? You got Randall, you got Hart, and you got now Deuce. 
I'm actually going to say the 12th. I've droned way too long on this. I'm going to go ahead and say the 12, 13 team has more relative shooting talent than this team. Um, Even though the best shooters on this team are certainly better than the best outside shooters on that team. But again, it's it's so tough to compare because of the, because the league is just a different league. So it's a, that's a, it's an interesting conversation and one that I'm, 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 I'll bring up at some point again because that's a that's a good that's a good thought process thing. Thanks, Joseph. Appreciate you, Jeremy Chase. What's going on, Jeremy? How you been, man? Uh, my seventy-five year old lifelong Knicks fan dad texted me. OG reminds him. I've had a few old heads say this. Uh, DeBusher, not the first to make the comparison. Yeah, but that's not nothing from him. I mean, that's huge. If if you it, listen, if someone was around and saw David DeBusher and they're making and they're throwing around David DeBusher's name. I mean, I know some people made the comparison after the Josh Hart trade, not in terms of the player, but in terms of the impact. OG's not Dave. Look, Dave the Busher, for any younger fans listening who may not know, here's here's what you, here's all you need to know about Dave the Busher. Dave the Busher made one, one, all NBA team in his life. Only one. The season he got traded to the Knicks. He was included as one of the top 75 all-time players on the list that they did two years ago. There was not a single person that I saw, at least, who remotely quibbled with his inclusion. That is because, and again, I obviously never saw him play, but from everything I've read and from all the people I've talked to who watched him play, there was an ethereal quality about him and his impact on the game and his impact on his team and like, just look at what happened to the franchise after he left, if you don't believe me. But that was just, it could not be quantified. And on top of that, he made literally every first team all defense that he could make because they started doing the thing when he was um, like in the middle of his career, they started doing all defense teams. He made first team every year. And I think he got the highest percentage of votes a couple of those years, maybe two or three of those. So like you could argue that he, if the, if the award had existed back then, he would have won two or three defensive player of the year awards. Um, but, uh, what was I saying? So all this is to say, OJ and Obi is not Dave DeBusher, but man, he's special. Cause again, I, I call, I call myself early when I would refer to him and write about him to say like that the Knicks got in like an OG and Obi type or the Knicks sought an OG and Obi type is disingenuous because there's nobody else in the league like him. Nobody who does who has his specific specific combination of defensive versatility, defensive ceiling, and then the the shooting piece, and then some of the other stuff he does on offense too. Thanks, Jeremy. Tell you, give your dad a shout out for me if you don't mind. As the maps continue to get blown out, Jesus Christ! Uh, Jew and on with another one. Side note: thoughts on the. Recruitment lunch with Brogdon and the Prophet. Robert Randolph claims he had lunch with his source and Brogdon on X. I believe him. Um, you know, I didn't want to say this. I was at the lunch. I was at the lunch and uh, it was going swimmingly until uh, Robert Randolph, he ordered uh, he ordered uh, mozzarella sticks and he spilled some marinara sauce on his shirt and Brogdon said, that's it. I'm out. And he just got up and left the table. No, I shout out to Robert Randolph. He's a lot of fun. I have no idea if like, has he, is he, I feel funny saying this. Cause like, 
for all we know, he's always been in on the joke. But like, is he fully in on the joke now? Here's the thing about about Robert Randolph and your own Weissman retweeted the piece today. A uh, great piece, very very fun, enjoyable piece. Go go check out your own Weissman on Twitter and read the piece on Robert Randolph that he wrote last year about how he has all you know obviously all these tweets saying this he knows about this deal and that deal and whatever. Like reading that piece, it he does not strike me as someone who was in on the joke a year ago. When he was interviewed for that piece, has that changed? I, I don't know. I, I, I really love to get Robert on the pod. Robert, if you're listening, come on, join us, please. Thanks, Juna. A Dimitri, Dimitri. Hope I got that. Hi, is it me or does it seem like the precious Chua um, leaves a lot to be desired. I had slightly better expectations for him as the backup in the backup four role. Well, he was never going to be the backup four. He's going to be the backup five. Um, not a guy who does the things that Tibbs wants his centers to do. He has a skill set. It's a very real skill set. Look at where he got drafted. Um, and like people who watch Toronto a lot more than I have over the years, can talk about this a lot more intelligently than I can. Like he flashes skills sometimes, but I don't think he does enough of what Tibbs requires. His like the most unenviable thing in the world is to be a Thibodeau center, and you have to have full buy-in, and you have to love the grunt work, and you have to be a guy who has like a you know a certain type of personality. And I don't know any of those things about Precious. And it's not that here. Let me. I, that came off the wrong way. It's I don't I have no idea whether Precious is like down for grunt work or any of that stuff. But like, you also need to have a particular skill set and, frankly, a particular frame. Like, a Chu is six eight, and he doesn't really necessarily or six nine, whatever he is. He doesn't necessarily play bigger than that. So that right there is a limitation. Um, like we've seen him attempt some threes. He hit the three against Philadelphia, right? That was cool. I don't. I don't know. I just, I, it's for me, it's more the fit than the player. And, and Benji and, and TJ have talk, talked about this last night. I, I agree with them. Thanks, Dimitri. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, JJ Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Armand Burden Burdenage? I hope I got that right. OG has been great, but he needs some one-on-one pick and roll training from Drew. Oh, one-on-one PR training from Drew. Not Andrew Claudio. Also, Evil Dante signing. It's so funny because 
you would think the natural inclination is to grab the mic. And yet nobody does it. He's the first person I can remember grabbing the mic in a postgame interview. Um, maybe he's just not that comfortable. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll get Drew on that for sure. And also Evil Dante. Yeah. Um, I here's what I'm gonna do. I am going to set the over under, and this is, I don't know why I'm I jumped right to this. Like, but the, the like Flynn. Some people thought he might get time when he came here. It's very clear that like Deuce has the job, and if Deuce doesn't have the job, it's because they trade for someone else. So like Malachi Flynn, barring something crazy, is not going to be playing basketball here. Um, you know, moving forward, I'll set the over under at one point five, or sorry, point five, zero point five of how many of Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn are still on the team after the All-Star break. Um, because, again, F- Flynn, his salary could come in handy, and Achua, his salary could come in handy um, to make, make the math work on some other deals. So, yeah. Thanks, Armand. Stevens B. Guillaume, what's going on, man? Five of them. Thanks, John. Yeah, I know what you're referring to. Uh, OG. It's great. I mean, he's, the dude scored what he scored 13 straight points for the next or 11 straight points in the first quarter. And he scored 11 straight and uh, 16 total in the first quarter. Yeah, that that dog will hunt for sure. I see Benji just had a uh, had a uh, tweet about quickly playing well. Hasn't taken a shot at this point. Hasn't held the ball. Just table setting early. Lots of mouths to feed in this Toronto starting lineup. And then when it's time to attack, pump and get to the floater game. So, yep, there you go. He's going to be so good. The, the the question about quickly is like by the end of this year, do people consider him like a top 20 starting point guard? Do people consider him? Is he Does he get in the conversation for like a top 15 starting point guard? I think that's going to be the conversation by the end of this year. That's the range that I would assume. 15, 20, like that. Um. And I can finally put on this game because the Memphis Grizzlies have completed their blowout of the Dallas Mavs. I don't necessarily love that the Mavs are going to be coming off a blowout going into the, the game um, uh, on Thursday, but whatever. Beggars can't be choosers. Kevin Danishevsky, thank you again for the generous contribution, Kev. I actually think Brogdon is perfect for Deuce. We are effed without JB right now. But next year, if you trade Brogdon for uh, for matching salary in a star trade, you could bring over Rokas and Deuce could have a real shot to win the job. One thing at a time. Um, so this is kind of what I was referring to, right? If you bring in, uh, let's say you bring in Brogdon. You're going to put Brogdon on the weakest def- weakest offensive player on the other team. Is Brogdon a bad defender? No, he's not a bad defender. But like, he's fine, right? He's okay. But, and he plays to his size. If you put him on the weakest defender, and then you put Duke, and then you put Deuce on the, Next smallest defender, right? But the more threatening one. And then you would get Grimes and Hart. And see, but that that lineup is interesting. Like, I wonder if they got brought. I genuinely wonder this. If they got brought in. Would Tips think about playing OG as a backup five? Like we always focus on Randall at the backup five. What about OG at the backup five with Hart at the backup four, which I know is, he does not love. He's made that very clear. And then Grimes at the three, Deuce at the two, Brogdon at the one. 
I don't know. I don't know. I'll say this. If Deuce keeps playing like this and they trade for Brogdon and Deuce goes back on the bench, that's going to be a tough sell, man. That's going to be a tough sell. That's the other part of this. The more Deuce plays and the longer he plays well and hits shots, it's going to be a tough sell. And is is it's one thing if it's like when like Josh Hart came in and like relegated Deuce to the bench, that was easy. That was an easy sell because Josh, Josh Hart comes in and he lights the court on fire with his style of play. Like Brogdon's not, I don't know if Brogdon's like going to be that. Like if you bring in someone to relegate Deuce to the bench, they better be freaking good, you know, which then goes to a different conversation of like, all right, if they're freaking good, might you have to give up more in a trade? Like, do you have to give up Grimes in a trade? But then you go to the conversation of like, all right, well, if you're giving up Grimes, then they got to be really, 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 really good. I don't want to go down that road. The team's playing too well to start talking about trading anybody on the current rotation. So let's move on. Thanks, Kev. Busy. What's going on, Busy? Shout out to the KFS PR team. I like the PC version of John. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> Do you like any version of me, Busy? That's the question I have. <laughs> no, nah, Busy, you're one of the good ones, Busy. Thank you. Um, good job this year minimizing calling people dumb for their super chats. <laughs> It'll come back at some point, I promise. <laughs> Seriously, though, good job. Uh, keep up the good work. Listen, I don't. I never. I never promised I was good, but I do my best. That's it. <laughs> you're the man, dude. Thanks. Uh, on you know who 97 I don't know who but okay we'll go with it not to be hyperbolic but I guess you're going to be hyperbolic I really struggle to think of a stretch where they've played this well been this dominant since the Ewing era am I wrong um, huh well the competition factors in uh, the nine. I just want to look and see real quick who the nine straight wins came against uh, last year. So those nine straight wins came against Utah, home, Brooklyn, shell of uh, the shell of Brooklyn, home, at Atlanta, eh, at Washington. Eh, that was after the All Star break. My God, they looked good in that game. I remember that game. The New Orleans game after the, the All Star break. That was that was the game. That was they. I think they were honoring the '73 team that night where they. They played well that night, my lord. And then the first Boston win, which was awesome. Another Brooklyn game. Then the the Julius Miracle at Miami. And then the IQ uh, 38 points in 55 minutes at Boston. They are playing right now than a high. They they look to me right now to be a higher ceiling team than they did during that stretch. So then you got to go back to 2012-13, which is really the only other team that's in competition for this. Since I mean, you say newing era, so it's basically is this team did the 2012-13 team ever look more dominant than this team? Um. I mean that team started out six and zero, and they started out more. They were really good, and then they were like five five hundred team for like half the year, and then they finished really strong. I don't know. Did they ever look this dominant? I don't know if they ever. 
I would have to really go back and think. I mean, we're talking about five games. You're telling me the 12-13 team never had five games where they looked this dominant? I, I have to think they did at some point. Um, again, especially considering the competition that the Knicks have played here. Can they make that a real conversation? If they keep this up? Yeah. But they got a little bit of ways to go. Thanks, you know who, 97. Nelson Joseph, what's going on, Nelson? Knicks will be a top five ranked defense by the by year end. I can we say that the, that they'll be top five from the date of the OG trade until the end, because to be a top five ranked defense like in the year end rankings, that will essentially that will might mean they will they that might they might have to be like the number one or number two ranked defense in the league, starting from the OG trade to the end of the year. That's a tall ask. I understand they're the best ranked defense in the league over the last five games. It's a tall ask. It's a tall ask. So I'll give you a top five from the OG trade to the end of the year. I I think that's possible. And I definitely think they should get into the top 10 by the end of the year. And hey, top 10 defense, top 10 offense. That You know what they say. Thanks, Nelson. Busy with another one. Thank you, Busy. You too much, man. Seriously. Um, same guys in the Knicks community who hated the idea of trading for Zion due to injury concerns are now willing to pull the trigger on a role player with the same concerns. Well, look, in fairness, the cost is very different. If you trade for, for Zion, you're trading whatever you need to, to get to Zion, to get Zion. That's insane because uh, it's going to be a crazy cost. May, well, no, I shouldn't say it's insane. Maybe it's not insane. Um, whatever. That's that but like it's it's all relative right if you're trading again the bucks pick and fournier and malachi flynn for brogdon then that's like you know and it and again you're 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 not investing you're not putting your your all of your franchises like hopes and dreams on one guy staying healthy because you're doing that if you trade for zion if you trade for malcolm brogdon and he gets injured the day after you trade for him and never plays a game for you it's like all right it's bad trade it's not, it's not killing anything you're doing long-term. Um, so that's the only pushback I, w- I would, I would give there, but I appreciate the sentiment. Thank you. Busy. Also, who cares what people in the next community say? Um, Tingus Pingus. Do you think Brunson Randall with an amazing sporting cast is enough to vault the Knicks into uh championship contention? What do you do about backup center? Um, I, I, I still kind of like my Mason, my Plumlee idea. He's not playing in LA right now. They don't need him. He's just kind of sitting around. If he's healthy, she wouldn't cost much. Get him for a second round pick. Probably. Um, I think Drummond would, I, I know people hate the name. It just, it, it, it sends shockwaves up your spine. I think Drummond would fit in perfectly fine with what this team would need him to do. Okay. Because, and there are, I think there was some of it going around in, um, I think maybe DJ had this on Twitter today. I, 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 I see so many things cause I, I like dip into things here and there. Maybe it was in our faculty chat, whatever. I want to give credit to DJ. Like Drummond has had, I think a legitimately pretty good defensive year. Um, there's some stat he's doing very well. And maybe like, Whatever, I don't want to say something out of turn. Um, and he's a huge body, again, size. And he could kill you. He's great on the glass on both ends. 
that's what the Knicks care about. So like, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, in terms of Brunson Randall, amazing supporting cast, enough to vault the Knicks into championship contention. Man, it's the, I mean, it's, look, it's, it's a question that's dominated every conversation for a while. I don't want to rule anything out with how good they've looked. I still, I still feel like still feel like they're so let's say, so you're saying no, no star trade, right? No superstar trade. Still feel like they're a big piece away, a significant piece away. Because you get into these playoff series with teams like Boston and you go up against a Milwaukee if like Dame's on a heater and Giannis is like tearing up the court and you just feel so overwhelmed. It just takes so much to combat that. And I think they got the outline though. I think they got the outline. I, I would love to add to it. I would love to add to it, but they got the outline. This is the outline. I think this outline works. Thanks, Tingus Pingus. Great name, by the way. Rich McLeod, what's going on, Rich? How you doing, bud? What's uh, up, my guy? The ball movement and spacing is so new and fun. Yes, it is. The vibe's on par with last year's run and the win streak from the We Here season. Something special. Yeah, the win streak from the We Here season is one that, like, that was night after night. It was like, is this really happening? Is this really happening? Is this really happening? Because... They were like a 500 team before that. So that maybe more than anything is the most incredible part of the uh, of the Leon slash Tibbs era is they have had three seasons out of four where you've gone through a stretch where you're like, oh my God, this is the best I felt as a Nick fan in 20 years. Last year, oh my God, it's the best I felt as a Nick fan in 20, or whatever, a decade. The We Here season is the best I felt as a Nick fan in a decade. Like, they've given us now three of those. That ain't nothing, especially when you spent so much the last 20 years feeling freaking miserable. And to the passing point, uh, Nick's last five games, 16th in assist rate, which for them is like incredible. <clears throat> Thanks, Rich. Appreciate you, man. Good to hear from you. Alan Abrams, not a surprise because rookie year Deuce was cooking folks in the G League. Just needed opportunity and the confidence that comes with playing time. Yeah, I mean, and also you got to get better. Um, I know he was cooking folks in the G League, but like, a lot of guys cook folks in the G League. I, I never want to put too much into G League stats. Uh, that said, I thought he did enough last year to keep the ship afloat. This is a better version. Step by step by step. That's what I mean. 35th pick in the draft, right? Or whatever he was, 36th, 37th, what, whatever he was in that range. Like, can you be an NBA rotation player by year three? He looks like an NBA rotation player right now. It's all you want. It's all you want. Thank you, Alan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As I'm looking at uh, RJ, was it and one or getting to the line? Busy. Remember the line, staying healthy is a skill. Guess how many games Murray played last year? We praise our own players for playing every night, but Murray wouldn't be a good fit. The last Murray rant. Look, I don't I don't think you're crazy with the DeJounte Murray thing. I want to be very clear about that. I think it is a situation where, and I, I think I wrote this in the newsletter that I did on him last week. There are reasons to to think that Murray on this team would would be a good move. I think there are reasons to think that a Murray on this team would not be a good move. My honestly, my biggest hesitation, I think, is I just love the way the starting lineup is playing, and and Divincenzo, his ability to relocate and move around so much without the ball and shoot these shots from distance and on the, at the drop of a a hat, like instantaneously firing away with really seemingly very little space on a lot of these shots. That is so important. And for him to have that and be a connector, right? To to reintroduce that term, which we talked about on the KFS halftime Zoom and, and may, Zoom and, and may, many others have talked about, um, connector, right? He's a connector. Obviously, Ananobi is something of a connector. Um, Josh Hart's uh, the classic connector, but like Murray introduces another guy into the starting five that. That's not what he that's not what you're paying him for. So yeah, I don't I don't know. It's 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 tough. Um but you you brought up the point to me and DJ Zulo brought up the point I think on Twitter today. Brunson as a off-ball guy, catch and shoot guy, he's become one of the best, as great as he is pulling up. He's become one of the best off-ball threats in the league in terms of being a pull-up shooter or excuse me, being a catch and shoot guy. So, you know, you give Murray maybe a little more of that responsibility in the starting lineup, and then like Brunson becomes your DiVincenzo, kind of. Is that weird to say? Um, I'm not saying that's why it's not saying there's a path that it couldn't work. I just, I don't know. I have, I have my hesitations. I have my doubts. Thanks, busy. 
OG team, for someone who claimed a defensive liability, it's rare we ever talk about how bad Brunson is defensively. It's a great sign. Well, again, I said it earlier, it's masked more now. There are teams that have exploited him. There will be more teams that exploit him. It is all about how they deal with that. And and honestly, it's going to be about Brunson being his best version of himself. Uh, fighting hard. Which is tough, right? Because when teams put him through the ringer and then he's going to have to come back on the other end and do a lot on offense, which actually, you know, that's another reason to like the idea of either a Murray trade or just any trade for another real serious shot creator, ball handler, whatever, because if in the playoffs teams are are getting Brunson involved in actions and really putting him through it, to ask him to 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 fight through all that and on top of that be your engine for 40 minutes and take you home in close games. That's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask. So Yeah, I don't know. I know we I went down a road that you were not really bringing up, but no, but he, look, he, he's, he's, I think on the whole, he's been better this year for sure than last year. Thanks, OG team. Sam L., if they continue to play as greater than the sum of their parts with hustle, headiness, and togetherness, they can contend right now. And we got assets. Well, that's the exciting part, right? Can they contend right now? Can they not contend right now? That's almost gravy this season. You know, next year, like, look, at, at this, with how they're playing, all of us in here right now, I think most of us expect them to get to the second round, right? Which is fine. If they get there and they peter out against a better team, it happens. Um, this summer, there's going to be pressure on them to use those assets. And I would be shocked if they did not. But you might be right, man. I hope you are, Sam. Thanks, as always. Appreciate you. OG team, when is the final day to use Evan's expiring contract? Um, there is no impetus to have to use it by the trade deadline because they have his team option for next year. So, and Jeremy has talked about this. Let's say you can't swing a deal involving Fournier by the trade deadline and you're coming up and it's draft night and you get a sense that there's a deal there for you, but maybe you can't complete it on draft night. Maybe you have to wait until after the new league year starts, July 2nd, July 3rd, July 4th. You can fully guarantee Evan Fournier's team option for the following year. Um, and then yeah, pick up the team option and then use him in a trade. Uh, I doubt he'd agree to this, but there's also always the possibility of pushing back the guarantee date. I don't, I don't think he would do that. Uh, and then the only danger zone is, well, what if it's July or June 28th or 29th or something? And you feel like, eh, we might have a deal lined up, but I'm not sure, but we're not sure. Do you guarantee the contract then? So for that reason, for that exact reason I just said, which is that possibility of genuine uncertainty, 
where the Knicks could be looking around a day or two before free agency starts and like trade season really kicks. Like a lot of trades are made after free agency because you get guys coming off books and it's easier to do two for one to three for one or four for one trades, whatever it is. Because that uncertainty exists and because the Knicks front office knows that uncertainty exists, I am quite certain that they will have a little bit of extra incentive to try to flip Fournier's contract into something that they feel better about heading into next year is, which is why we come back to Malcolm Brogdon is Malcolm Brogdon. Perfect. No, is he injury prone? Yes. Might he, you know, take away minutes from somebody that we want to play more minutes? Yes, but he is a proven NBA commodity and he has 22 guaranteed $22 million guaranteed for next season. So in that respect, and it doesn't have to be Brogdon. There are other guys who qualify for this. I think Brogdon is the most obvious one. So that's why I think that they will continue to um, look to get someone that kind of, you know, takes away some of that uncertainty before the trade deadline. Thanks, OG team. Uh, Kevin Danishevsky, uh, next inching closer towards a hashtag 53 win pace hashtag Thanos. Uh, what is a 53? I guess we're not there yet, but we're almost there, right? We'll get there. We'll get to the 53 win pace. I, I'm confident at some point we'll be on that pace. Thanks, Kev. Alex, all love and support to Mitch. Get well, 23. Let's not forget about Mitch, man. That dude was awesome for us this year. I know it's great right now. The thing that I was perhaps most excited about is the conversation that DJ and Benji had last night about like if Mitch came back this year or even I guess for argument's sake next year, but let's just say this year for for what it's worth. Like does you do you hand him the starting job? And I think they they both kind of came to the conclusion like you can't if Harden if Hardenstein keeps playing this way and is able to hold up with these minutes, I don't think you could do that. And the prospect of like Mitch coming off the bench and playing 15, 20 minutes a game and wrecking havoc during that time, that's kind of exciting. You know? But so yeah, get well soon, man. And here he got paid, so like that wouldn't be the end of the world for him. I don't think. Alex with another one. Rather than trading for a backup point guard, how about a facilitating backup five? Olinick. Run the offense through Kelly Olinick. Deuce Grimes, Hart, Randall, Kelly Olinick. Hashtag G League Fairy. So, not the guy they usually go for. Not the sort of guy. Not the sort of center that does the things that a typical center usually does. However, Unlike, um, unlike Achua, there's a real genuine offensive ceiling there with Olenek that might make the trade-off worth it. Uh, I'm just, I was kind of stalling because, yeah, so $12.1 million expiring salary. So you're talking about You're talking about can you build? Yeah, I don't. 
I don't know if you're going to be able to build. I think you're going to be talking about Utah sending something additional with him. And then Fournier, but that's an issue because then you're trading Fournier for expiring contract, which Jeremy did a whole thing on. I don't need to go over again. Um, besides the fact that they don't have really any other great salary to pair with Olenek. Yeah, I don't. I'd be surprised. Let's just say I'd be surprised if they if they went that route. Especially dealing with Utah. So, you know, not not a crazy thing, though, at all, Alex. Not a crazy thing. I, I don't, I'm not sure where the money, how the money works on the deal. Um, thank you. Oh, with another one. Tired this is also Alex. Tired. Winning streaks start after trades. Wired. Winning streaks. Then Deuce enters the lineup. Wh- hashtag winning rejoice. Amen to that. I love it. You're the man, Alex. And then Mythic Monty. Hi, John. Is there a chance the Knicks tack on the extra year Fournier's contract and use it as a trade this summer or next season instead? Again, you read my mind. Talked about it already. Um, definitely a chance. The, the most interesting thing in the world to me would be is, is if they came up to the deadline to guarantee the contract and they were not... They did not have a deal in place. I don't want to say we're not confident that they could make a deal, but specifically did not have a deal in place. Because if you, because at that point, at that point, if on the, on the, on the doomsday scenario that you don't make a deal and you guarantee Fournier's contract, you've probably almost not probably certainly put yourself into the luxury tax. Like, and then you're looking at like, all right, well, we could get out of the luxury tax, but then we got to pay probably somebody something to dump Fournier's contract. Although even then, you never know what stuff is going to materialize during the year. Again, I'm talking about next season now. So, look, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna find a trade before the deadline. I'd be surprised if they didn't. If they don't, I'd be surprised if either. Fournier wasn't on the team past July 1st, or they didn't use his contract in a trade past July 1st. I guess I see, I guess it's a very long way of saying I would be very surprised if A, Fournier was still on the roster come his guaranteed date, and then B, they declined his team option. I'd be really surprised. That would, that would mean that something has gone wrong if that scenario unfolded and that things did not go according to plan. Thanks, Mythic Monty. MK21. Thoughts on bringing in Marcus Smart as a backup point guard? Funny you ask. I just wrote a segment for Thursday's newsletter on that exact question. Um, Short answer, I don't know that I love the fit. With the caveat that like Smart plus Hart plus Grimes plus Ananobi, plus maybe a slightly better defensive center. I mean, shit. You want to talk about a backup lineup that you you really do feel confident? Like, yeah, we'll throw them out there for six minutes in a playoff game and feel feel pretty good about the fact that the other team just isn't going to score. Um, or hell, maybe, maybe it's well in that actually, no, in that scenario it would not be Grimes. It would be Grimes. It would be deuce and smart because you're probably, you're, you're almost certainly giving up Grimes in that trade. 
Um, so do you want to give up Grimes? I don't know about that. But even like, man, do smart heart OG pick a decent backup center defensively. That's that's frightening. That's a frightening defensive lineup. I don't know. I'm skewing no. Don't know that I want to give up Grimes for smart. Plus, you're going to give up picks too. Uh, but it's not crazy at all. It's not crazy. Thanks, MK21. Christopher Hallecky. I have watched the Ewing Knicks and the Anthony Knicks. This is by far the most exciting Knicks team I have seen. Christopher, great way to end it. Um, if anybody watching right now feels that way, you're totally justified. You're totally justified because, like, I, I mean, I was I was young during the Ewing Knicks days, and I, I certainly was not there for like the real peak. I, to me, 92, 93, 93, 94. Like, I, I obviously I remember 93, 94. Remember 92, 93 a little bit. Like, those are the best teams. They were genuine contenders. 93, 94 to me will always be the best Nick team I've seen uh, until they win a championship. So I can't go quite that far. But like, if you want to put this team ahead of some of those like late 90s teams, that's fine. I'm not going to regret you that. Thanks, Christopher. And thank you, everybody, for watching another post game. Um, uh, live stream on the Knicks Film School uh, YouTube channel. As a reminder, if you are not yet subscribed to this channel, please do so. Also, like the video. All you have to do is you got to click on the little thumbs up button there. Uh, you know, don't slam it. We haven't done that bit in a while. Don't slam the thumbs up button. Gently caress it. And then uh, also, if you listen to this in the podcast form tomorrow, got a, a lovely review I saw uh, came via a chartable email the other day. Thank you to whoever wrote, whoever wrote that. Um, thanks to everybody who writes reviews. Thanks to everybody who leaves us five-star ratings. Thanks to just everybody who supports the show, supports Next Film School, supports the pregame pods, the Benji and, and DJ X's and O's, you know, Cap or no cap, all the stuff that we do. Casual Fridays, obviously, they always kill it. They always bring a different energy and a different, a different um, kind of take on the conversation, which is why I love them so much. Uh, everything we're doing here, we do not do without your support and love, and um, we thank you. So, uh, great win, vibes are great right now, and uh, I will see you on a pod with uh, Fred Katz that we'll be dropping uh, midnight tomorrow, or I guess midnight Wednesday, going into. Uh, Thursday, I think, or whatever, early Thursday morning. And so uh, you'll hear from me then and then post game Thursday and the whole thing. Talk to you soon. All the best. Peace out.